Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. When you get to the judgment seat, the question that God will ask you is not, why were you not a missionary? That's not the question you will be asked. The question you will be asked is, what kind of mechanic were you? What kind of receptionist were you? Were you honest? Did you take pride in what you did? Did you do it with an eye to my glory? Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, And today, Philip DeCourcy brings us to the book of Proverbs to hear about God's perspective on work. It's a message that'll change the way you view employment and make you whistle while you work. It's a message from our series titled, That Makes Good Sense. And if you missed the first part of this message, you'll find it online over on our website at ktt.org. But right now, here's Philip with today's message, Whistle While You Work. I want to take you to the book of Proverbs because this is a book, as we said, that purports to help us live wisely and well. If this book is about living skillfully, one would assume that it's going to address that half of our lives called work. And you know what, folks? It does. This book of Proverbs addresses the whole issue of the marketplace and the workplace and how you and I can work with satisfaction, with purpose, This book will remind us that all labor is sanctioned by God and therefore sacred to him. Look at verse 23 of Proverbs 14. In all labor there is profit. There's two things I want us to gather, and this is very important. This will will revolutionize your perspective on work. This will give you a redemptive perspective on work. I want you to see two things from this thought that in all kinds of labor, there is profit. As we think about the doctrine of creation and we think about our theology of man in the light of God, here's what we've got. We've got, first of all, the essential dignity of work. Work is not a curse. I don't know how you look upon your work as a drag, as a drudge, but work is not a curse. Work was ordained by God before the fall. And while the curse of God upon sin makes it harder and sometimes futile, It did not remove the essential dignity of work. God didn't curse work. He cursed the ground upon which man would work. Work is not a punishment. It is an integral part of your being and what God has called you to be. Bill McCartney, former coach of the uh, Colorado Buffaloes, was used by God to launch the Promise Keepers movement. When he was initially interviewed for the head coaching job at Colorado, He told the search committee that they needed to understand something. I quote him here. I am not a coach who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who happens to be a coach. Isn't that powerful? That's the way you should view life. That's the extension of our doctrine of man. You made in the image of Jesus Christ. That's our um, application of the effects of of redemption in Jesus Christ, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are portable temples. Wherever we go is sacred ground. Whatever we do can be, be sacred. And we are Christians who just happen to be housewives. We are Christians who just happen to be school teachers. 
We are Christians that just happen to be sports coaches. We are Christians who just happen to be truck drivers and mechanics, desk clerks and receptionists. In all kinds of labor, we can have profit because we see our place of employment as a holy place that's given over to sacred things. We not only have in this verse what I call the place of work, but I want you to see now the pattern of work. In all labor, there is profit. The word labor here is a word that carries the idea of physical pain. It speaks of exertion. It speaks of strenuous labor. It, it means putting your heart and your soul into something. It seems to infer if you're going to do something, you're going to have to do it with all that you've got. And therefore, I think by implication, it's talking about excellence and diligence. You see, the Bible's not only interested in the fact that you and I are called to do certain things, it's interested in knowing how we do those things that we're called to do. The Bible not only talks about the dignity of work, but it's interested in the whole issue of its quality, the motive with which we do it, the kind of exertion we put into it. Remember, if work is good, and it is, and if work is God-ordained, and it is, and it naturally flows that you'll do it well because it's dedicated to God. That's why Paul says to the Ephesian slaves, as you do your work, don't be a man pleaser. Work as unto the Lord. Because a Christian view of work and a biblical perspective on employment has us reminding ourselves that work is good and work is God-given and therefore it ought to be done well. Remember, we have a working God who made us in his image. Sometimes just take a look at Genesis 1 and 2. And as God made this world and everything that is in it, at the end of his day's labor, I believe he made the world in six days. It says at the end of each day, God would look back on his work and say, and it was good. In fact, sometimes God's looking on his own work says, and it's very good. The work that God does is good and very good. In fact, even when he made man and realized that loneliness was not good for man and God said it is not good that man should be alone, God immediately fixed what wasn't good or what was lacking. And when you and I are made in his image, we will do work that's good and very good. And when we see that there's something lacking in our work in terms of its quality, we will immediately fix it. In fact, I want you just for a few moments to think ahead to the judgment seat of Christ because it plays into what I'm saying. Do you understand that at the judgment seat of Christ, the quality of our work will be judged? In um, 1 Corinthians 3, we read these words concerning the fact that our, our lives will be looked into. And, in, and, and we read this. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will, will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. This is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13, of what sort it is. Our work from 9 to 5 and beyond will be judged someday as to what sort it was. How did we do it? What was the motive? How much did we give ourselves to it? What was its quality? I want you to remember something. If you forget everything today, remember this. When you get to the judgment seat, the question that God will ask you is not, why were you not a missionary? That's not the question you will be asked. 
The question you will be asked is, what kind of mechanic were you? What kind of a housewife were you? What kind of a receptionist were you? What sort of work did you do where I place you because it's all sacred to God? That's powerful, isn't it? You won't be asked, why weren't you a missionary? You'll be asked, what kind of mechanic were you? Were you honest, punctual, diligent, helpful, easy to get on with, respectful to the boss? Did you take pride in what you did? Did you see its glory? Did you see its sacredness? Did you do it with an eye to my glory? Who said the Bible's impractical? I want you to see three things about the pattern of work from the book of Proverbs, and then we'll be done. I want you to see what I call the pattern of hard work. What kind of work should we do? We should do hard work. The book of Proverbs extols the old-fashioned virtue of hard work. The book of Proverbs condemns the sluggard and the lazy bones who turns like a hinge on his bed, who's sitting at home with his feet up when he should be out in the fields harvesting because it's summer and the winter's coming. The book of Proverbs despises the lazy bones and the sluggard because a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, and then comes poverty. Throughout this book, diligence and hard work is made a virtue. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a, is a son who causes shame. In Proverbs 12, verse 24, we read, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. In verse 27 of the same chapter, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Our text is Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The contrast is there between a man who gives himself diligently to do his work, regardless of what it is, compared to someone who's all talk. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but they never do it. It's all talk, and it leads to poverty and a wasted life. And the book of Proverbs tells us as Christians and as lovers of Jesus Christ, we should be the hardest working people on the job. So the book of Proverbs says, this book salutes the qualities of diligence, application, conscientiousness. It abhors people who miss opportunities, daydream, and lack sweat. It does not see the funny side of the words that someone spoke. They say hard work killed nobody, but I'm not going to take a chance. This book says it's crazy to be lazy. God doesn't honor that. And you will miss so much in life if you'd have worked a little bit harder. Listen to these telling words. See if you don't fall into this category of people who are always griping and grousing about the fact that they're paid a minimal wage. Some people work less when they are paid a minimum wage, says the writer, but they never earn a raise by minimal performance. Folks who never do any more than they get paid for will never get paid for any more than they do. That's a true statement. It's a truism. It's a maxim for life. I know the book of Proverbs are not promises, and I do realize there are people who have worked hard and still find themselves belly up, but generally, hard work pays off. 
We can't control all of life's circumstances. Sometimes men put their heart and soul into a business and they just don't, they don't see something coming out of left field and it gets in the way of the business prospering. We understand that. But generally speaking, you get what you work for. And if you'll work hard, you'll make something of your life and your family. I'm not endorsing minimum wages. But you know what? Minimal performance often produces minimum wages. And you'll not get paid for more than what you work for. So many today are like the soldier in England who decided he would go to India because he heard that in India they pay you a lot for doing a little. Then when you've been there for a while, they pay you more for doing less. And if you stay long enough, they'll pay you a great deal for doing nothing. It is not a godly perspective to think that your passion and purpose in life is to work yourself out of work. The Bible has no concept of retirement, by the way. I don't think you'll glorify God by dying in a Winnipeg somewhere on the West Coast. Listen to these words from Cameron Wilson, the founder of the Holiday Inn Hotel Network. He said this one day, you want a great prescription for success in life and work? Quote, work half a day. There you go. He's a man who made it successful. He said, work half a day, either the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. But work half a day. Isn't that good? Go and look at the ant, you sluggard. Don't be a lazy bones. Don't be a son who's a disgrace to his father. Listen to this. Not only do we have the pattern of hard work, we have the pattern of honest work. The virtue of hard work must be balanced and protected by the ethic of honesty. Because while hard work is a virtue, it can become a vice if it is not controlled by, by virtue and value and uh, biblical perspectives. We can work hard at sinning by getting greedy and materialistic. So if you're going to work hard, that's good, but work honestly and work with a godly perspective. The book of Proverbs again and again warns us against dishonest gain. Listen to Proverbs 10 and verse 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. There's a way to, to treasure, but it's a wicked way. It's an immoral way. Proverbs 15 verse 27 says this. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. Yeah, work hard. You know, Develop the business, but don't get greedy and don't get materialistic and don't have your wife wondering where you are and don't be an absent father to your children. Don't be bringing trouble to your house. At that point, your hard work is a vice, not a virtue. Book of Proverbs tells you here, work hard, but work honestly. Work with a, a moral conscience, with a biblical perspective. In fact, again and again, this book warns against... Um, deceptive wages and dishonest skills. Look at Proverbs 11, verse 1. Dishonest skills are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And then in Proverbs 11, verse 18, the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Work hard, but work honestly. In fact, if you're going to work hard, make sure that you work hard at keeping a good reputation on the job. That's what the book of Proverbs tells us. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse 1. 
This is a great proverb, 22 and verse one. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Again, Proverbs 28 and verse six says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Be honest in your hard work. Protect your reputation. Guard your good name. Don't sell your soul for a buck. Don't shave your ethics to get that contract. It's not worth it. There is the danger of money, and we must not minimize that, says the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs tells us that the rights of the poor must not be forgotten. The value of your character must not be sold, and the scales of God's judgment must not be overlooked. God is weighing us in his scales to see that we're honest because dishonest weights are an abomination to the Lord. Let me get real practical, just in case you don't make the connection yourself. That means that God wants the salesman to represent the product honestly. Don't make it out to be something it's not. Don't sell somebody a white camel. God wants the accountant to be honest about the company's financial health. If you're an accountant, don't be party to some shell game in the company office, padding certain line items. That's a dishonest scale and God abhors it. God wants the worker to give a full day's work for a full day's pay. When you lift your wage packet on a Friday, did you earn it? Oh, you might think you're worth more than that. Maybe you are, but if you signed up to work for that company according to that wage scale, then you work for that. Not what you think you should get. The Bible tells us that God doesn't want us to turn a 10-minute break into a 15-minute break. Now, I'm going to meddle here. God doesn't want you doing your devotions on company time either or evangelizing your workmate on company time. That's a dishonest scale. Your company didn't hire you to be an evangelist. Hired you to be a hard, honest worker. There may come opportunity to evangelize, but you better do it on your own time or at least be sure that it meets with the company's approval. God doesn't want the executives of a company giving themselves absorbent raises while at the same time thinking of cutting the workforce. That's not just. But these are the kind of things that are going on in America today in the corporate world and in the factory floor. These are the abuses of bosses. These are the abuses of unions also. Do you know that today many companies have to have a line item for employee theft in America, running into billions of dollars when you calculate it all together? Dr. Haddon Robinson told a story of one of uh, uh, a news investigation report that went on in Toronto many years ago. The writer from a local newspaper decided to, to test the ethics of, of mechanics around the city of Toronto. And so on purpose, this um, reporter took the spark plug wire off of his engine and wheeled his um, dead car into a number of garages across Toronto. And what he found that on most occasions, more work was done than needed to be done. Until one day, he uh, wheeled his car into a small garage owned by a guy by the name of Fred. Fred popped his head up from under the hood and said, can I help you? 
Yes, you can. And he said, there's something wrong with my car. And so Fred stuck his head under the hood of that car and started to investigate what the problem might be. And uh, in a few moments, hey, presto, Fred pops his head up and said, you know what, sir? Your spark plug wire has come off. Very simple. I've, in fact, I, just give me a moment and I can attach it in a jiffy and you'll be on your way. And so he reattached the wire and the engine kicked into life. And, and uh, the reporter said, well, Fred, how much do I owe you? To which Fred said, um, I'm not going to charge you anything. I really didn't do anything. It was a simple, you know, job just reconnecting the wire. And this, in the light of what had gone on in the previous day's investigation, struck the reporter. And the reporter said, Fred, you got to tell me why you're not going to charge me anything. These are the words of Fred in reply. Are you sure you want to know? Well, let me tell you, I happen to be a Christian. And I believe that everything we do should be done for God's glory. I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary, but I'm a mechanic. And so I do it as honestly as I can with all the skill that I have for the glory of God. The next day in the newspaper in Toronto, there was a headline that read, quote, Christian mechanic, honest to the glory of God. My friend, that's a great headline for anybody's life. That's a great banner. That's a great epitaph. Christian housewife, honest to the glory of God. Christian mechanic, Christian clerk, Christian supervisor, honest to the glory of God. I trust that you'll seek to um, be honest and, and hardworking and do honorable and excellent work. Doesn't God deserve that? Isn't that worthy of Him? And isn't that how we live out the significance of our very origin as those made in the image of God, subcontracted by God? to live according to His will on this earth and to make things that are beneficial and beautiful, that play into God's purposes and plans for planet earth. Remember what Martin Luther taught a generation before us, the changing of a baby's diaper is as significant as the preaching of the Word of God because it can be done for the glory of God. The wisdom we find in Proverbs will guide us, even on the job. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of a message called Whistle While You Work. If you want to hear this message again or share it with a friend, you'll find it online at ktt.org or on the KTT app or podcast. Well, as we heard today, our work and our attitude toward it matters. It should be done excellently, cheerfully, and with God's glory in mind. And that's our goal each day here at Know the Truth, as we are privileged to share God's Word with so many in need of the truth. And when cheerful givers like you donate in support of this ministry, you join hands with us in this crucial gospel work. So, would you help the gospel reach even more listeners today by giving a one-time gift of any amount? You can also give monthly as a Truth Ambassador. Your support of $25, $50, $100 or more will help bring the truth of God's Word to people across the country and abroad. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And to express our gratitude for your partnership in the gospel, we'll send you God vs. Government by Nathan Busnitz and James Coates. This exciting book uses real-life examples and offers guidance and wisdom on how to respond when the state encroaches upon the church. It provides biblical answers about remaining discerning and faithful to our Heavenly Father's commands, even when society tells us to do otherwise. 
You'll want to read it for yourself and share it with fellow believers. Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you've never reached out before, we have a free gift just for you, a devotional titled Resting in God's Daily Sufficiency. You can learn more about it at ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd signing off, but join us again tomorrow as Pastor Philip DeCourcy begins a new message from Proverbs. It's a step in the right direction. Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah.